0: Welcome to Talk with a Doc, the show where we bring your questions to Providence medical experts for insight and information. I'm your host, Mary Ernoff, and here with me today is Dr. Simon Dardashti with Faisi Medical Center in Mission Hills, California. And today we're answering your questions about chronic pain therapy. Remember, everyone, all of our questions come from you via social media. We can be found on Twitter at PSJH and on Facebook under Providence St. Joseph Health. Just use the hashtag Talk with a Doc for your chance to hear questions during our episodes. Before we start, I want to remind our listeners that the information provided during this program is for educational purposes only. Always consult a healthcare provider if you have any questions regarding a medical condition or treatment. So let's get started today by welcoming our expert, Dr. Dardashti.
1: Thank you very much for having me, Mary.
0: Well, let's start with a really easy softball one. Tell us about your role here.
1: Uh, All right. Um, I'm a chronic pain physician, an interventional pain management physician, which basically means that I use uh, different modalities to treat People who are in chronic pain. Um, there's either injection modalities, medication mod- modalities, or relationships with physical therapists, acupuncturists. Okay.
0: Great. Yeah. Wow. And how long have you been doing this?
1: Uh, I graduated um, my fellowship in 2015, okay. so almost five years now. Wow. And I've been a physician for almost a decade.
0: Wow, well, yeah. this is very exciting. Well, thank you for joining us. Thank you. Well, let's talk about chronic pain. Um, how do you define chronic pain?
1: So, the textbook definition is anything more than three months. Oh, wow. Um, but anytime you uh, have a patient who has had pain um, in the same area or same quality that's been going on, um, you know, come and go for the last few years, or even if they think that, hey, this is something that I've been dealing with, but it's only been going on for the last month, but I've had it two years ago, you know, it's considered chronic pain. Okay.
0: And actually, that was one of the questions I was going to ask you is what happens if I only have it every now and then, but I've had it every now and then for six years. Is that chronic? Yeah.
1: Okay. Yeah. 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 uh, Pain is a kind of a subjective. It's a different kind of field. You know, it's a lot of it is uh, what is the patient's lifestyle like? What kind of what is their occupation? And um, we always kind of discuss the social aspect of everything.
0: And why is managing chronic pain different than managing just general pain?
1: So that that is a really good question. Um, because the treatment is different. Uh, when you have an acute pain, when you throw your back out, when you lift something heavy, um, or you you know where you just have kind of daily aches and pains, you can take an ibuprofen. You can take a Tylenol. Do some stretching, hot compress, over-the-counter medications. For the majority of patients, that just that is great. Um, but for the patients who maybe have had a very traumatic experience or traumatic mm-hmm. incident. Um, then in that situation you're dealing with somebody who will likely be in pain for a much longer period and the treatment is completely different not completely different but very different
0: well i think when we talk about chronic pain we think about a lot of different conditions and i know i've been hearing a lot about chronic pain in the media these days um, like Sinead O'Connor and Lady Gaga will talk about fibromyalgia and Jillian Michaels talked about endometriosis. Um, uh, Montel Williams talks about having MS. There just seems to be a lot, even chronic back pain. I think it's George Clooney who talks about chronic back pain, but a lot of them talk about how they really want to look at natural pain relief options rather than maybe quote unquote, getting addicted to pills. What does that look like as, as in your role? How do you, how do you treat somebody who comes in and says, I don't want to take pills or I don't want to do injections?
1: There's definitely um, opportunities for that. And uh, sometimes that could be even a better option than traditional Western Mm -hmm. medicine. Uh, A lot of times there's a lot of overlap. It's not Western medicine or Eastern medicine or homeopathic medicine. The vast majority of the medications that are used in Western medicine are derived from plants.
0: True. Very true. Yeah.
1: So um, commonly, you know, I'll prescribe turmeric. Mm-hmm. To patients for an, uh, as an anti-inflammatory as opposed to taking a you know ibuprofen or an advil. Um, there's ginger um, ginger root has been very good as an anti-inflammatory. It's excellent as, as an anti-nausea medication.
0: <laughs> Take ginger root when I yeah. when I'm feeling nauseous. yeah
1: and, and there's a, it's not either or it's a continuum. Mm-hmm.
0: Great. Well, how common is chronic pain? I mean, like I said, Mm we hear a lot about it. I don't know if it's that more people have it or more people are just willing to talk about it.
1: I I think it's probably a little bit of both. But lately, because of the opiate epidemic that we have in America, it's become much more front and center. And people are willing to talk about um, issues that we haven't been traditionally willing to talk about in the past, and I think that's a good thing. I think communication is always a good thing, but in terms of how common is it, in 2016 it's estimated that 20% of U.S. adults will have chronic pain.
0: 20%? At any given time,
1: that's yeah. That's a lot. Yeah, and 80% and the, perc- uh, the average person, 80% of people over their lifetime will have chronic pain. That's pain more than three months mm. during their life. So it is very, very common.
0: And what are, what are the effects of chronic pain long-term if you're not treating it?
1: Well, the most common one that I see amongst my patients is the psychological toll. And okay. mm-hmm. um, when, when I have a chronic pain patient, you have to treat them, you know, traditionally as a medical doctor, uh, anatomically, physiologically, but you also have to kind of treat the emotional toll that is taken on them, their relationships with their family. And a lot of the patients uh, that see me in clinic they have depression, and a lot of people assume, well, their depression prov- causes them to have chronic pain. Well, that's not necessarily true. Their chronic pain could be causing anxiety, depression, and what have you. So, that you know, talking about the social aspect is a huge part of it, but then also just in terms of longevity, longevity of life, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. quality
0: of life. Quality seems like a big one. A yeah, big one, right? yeah. People are missing out on going places because it hurts to get in and out of a car, or in and out of bed, or they're not going to work because it's too painful to get out of bed.
1: Right, and the, the number one, uh, kind of the number one obstacle that chronic pain ca- um, uh, creates is like kind of this lack of purpose in the morning. If you have pain, the first thing in the morning, and you don't want to go to work or you don't want to volunteer or get involved in your community or be in a family event, then I noticed that uh, reflexively, a lot of people are like, well, that person is just being antisocial again, right. as That's opposed true. to giving them yeah. the benefit of the doubt to say, hey, you know what? There's something else going on. This person is not acting like their typical self. And so that, that social aspect, I think, is a big part of chronic pain that you don't necessarily see in acute pain because it comes and goes. Right. And right. people just know that, oh, I, I just threw my back out again. It goes away in three weeks.
0: I think that's interesting because I think if we see somebody who has a broken leg, we expect them to be in pain and we're sympathetic to them. But when we hear somebody say, I have chronic fatigue or I have fibromyalgia, we don't see it, we don't understand it. We're like, so you're complaining again, right? right? Or you're missing another day of work. How do you handle with your patients having them be able to articulate and explain it to the outside world?
1: Um, Well, the the criteria to diagnose chronic fatigue or fibromyalgia is actually – pretty clear. Mm-hmm. And oftentimes when I talk to my patients about it, they're like, oh, I have that. Oh, I have that. Uh, the most common one that the average lay person doesn't know about is sleep disturbance. Ah. Uh, yeah, in chronic fatigue and in uh, fibromyalgia, very few people patients get a full six to eight hours of sleep. And I tell them, hey, you know, you're not sleeping the full six to eight hours, eight and a half hours. Um, you know that could worsen your pain. Um, and
0: oh, because your body's not regenerating itself. It's not restoring itself. Exa- exactly. Bingo. Right.
1: Tissue, mentally, a lot of hormonal regulation oh, gets disturbed. And there, there is a lot of pain regulation involved with hormones. Um, so there is, and it, this is considered to be the century of the mind. Mm-hmm. And we're learning a lot about the mind. Absolutely. How it right. works. So there are parts of the brain that are hyperactive individuals who have fibromyalgia or chronic fatigue syndrome which you can see on a functional MRI that you don't see in an other individual.
0: Well, what is, um, you talked a little bit about acute versus chronic. How do you define acute? Is it just that it lasts for a finite period of time? Is it lasts for less than, cause you said three months, three
1: months is the textbook cutoff, but you know, you, you're a doctor long enough and you talk to enough patients that patients don't read the textbook before they come into clinic. Um, from what I see, it's the confidence that the patient has in their pain going away. In acute pain, patients are very confident. Ah, I've dealt with this before. It's going to heal. It's going to mm-hmm. heal. Ah, I know I, I just take my tylen- Tylenol for a week. It'll be okay. <laughs> but there's something about chronic pain which creates a feeling of hopelessness where, well, am I going to live my whole life like this? And then the whole perspective changes. And when that whole perspective of hopelessness and emotional toll gets in there, that's one of the defining factors for me is, how is this different from your normal ache and pain?
0: Right. Seems like there's just a lot of connection to the mental health aspect for people who suffer from chronic pain. So are we treating them together now?
1: We're trying to. Mm -hmm. Um, FACI has a phenomenal uh, psychological and psychiatric department. Mm -hmm. And we're very blessed to have those resources available in Mission Hills. But there is a field of psychology and psychiatry called pain psychology. right? And that's something that kind of was not as popular two decades ago, whereas now it's front and center. So, you know, classically in medical school, they always teach physicians, ask about the social history. Mm -hmm. Is the individual divorced or married or single? Do they have children? What's their work situation like? And oftentimes when I ask these type of questions and I can assess the individual's, you know, sense of uh, anxiety and what have you, it really, really explains a lot about certain types of chronic pain, not all.
0: Well, I think this was an interesting question we got. It said, I don't have depression, but my doctor gave me an antidepressant for pain. What's that about?
1: <laughs> um, so, yeah, that, that's, a, that's a really, really good question. Um, it's so much so when I started, when I started practicing medicine, um, I would, you know, prescribe these medications. But now that I'm a little older and I've had enough patients and everyone has access to the Internet. So very commonly, medications that treat uh, depression also treat pain mm. because a lot of pain is nerve related and um, there's a lot of uh, serotonin, norepinephrine, neurotransmitter chemical um, aspect of pain. So I tell the patients, hey, uh, I'm gonna give you this medication, here are the side effects, just so you know, if you do go on the internet you will find out that it's also an antidepressant i'm Mm. not saying you're depressed got it but also and there's also one a few phenomenal medications that used to treat seizures Mm -hmm. classically that help treat pain and they're some of our best medications and it just goes to show that pain is our perception of pain you definitely are an anatomic you know physiological injury to the tissue but it's the signal to the brain and the brain's way of processing that signal that allows us to understand and feel pain.
0: That brings up a really good question. How do you assess the level of somebody's pain? Because we all have different "quote unquote" pain thresholds, or right. by day. And frankly, you could ask me by time of month. I would have a different pain threshold. Right, 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 right. How do you assess that?
1: Um, the, the classic way is you know visual analog score, which just means like a a, a few pictures of an individual with a smiley face, the happy face, sad face. Yeah, colors and. Um, and so we kind of show that to the patients, or a zero to ten scale. But since we've had a new set of guidelines um, that came out with the CDC, which is emphasis on functionality, okay, which I think is a really good way also of assessing pain. It's what can you do or cannot do that you that you couldn't do two three months ago.
0: Oh, that's a great way of doing it. Okay.
1: Yeah, so, you know, you ask an individual, well, do you have difficulty waking up in the morning? Can you tie your shoes? Are you able to go to the shower? Are you able to go to work? And so, it, there's a construction workers you know, I, I'd get an X-ray or an MRI, and their back has severe issues. Right. But they're going to work every day every and day. they're just, mm-hmm. they're happy with their talent ibuprofen and they just want a referral to physical therapy, whereas there's an under, another individual who on, on MRI or X-ray does not have those same type of issues, but their level of pain is much higher. So everyone's different, um, and the most important thing that I realize as, as a pain physician is do not judge the patient. Sure. They're in their own body. We're not.
0: Well, you mentioned Tylenol and a couple of other over-the-counters. Are there any long-term effects, like if people who are trying to manage their pain are using Tylenol or whatever? I mean, obviously there's some health effects, but is it going to prolong their pain if they're not getting it treated the right way?
1: I th- yeah. I th- if you're not getting pain treated the right way, then... Th- now, it is kind of demoralizing for a lot of mm-hmm. patients. Um, there's different types of pain. There's nerve pain. There's muscle pain. There's bone pain. Um, so in that respect, if you're taking, let's say, uh, I- ibuprofen, which is an anti-inflammatory, for nerve-related pain, then it might not be as successful, and people Got get it. frustrated with the situation, whereas you might not even on a nerve-related medication.
0: Or they might start doubling the dosage. Yes, or, mm-hmm. or going
1: up higher. And each medication has its risks and benefits.
0: Well, I think we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to continue the conversation about chronic pain therapy and management.
2: Falling into you, baby, even the electricity can't compare to what I feel. Let you know, let you know, I think I'm ready, baby, I think I'm ready now, electricity, I'm flying into you, i electric, baby.
0: We're back with Talk with a Doc, and we are with Dr. Dardashi, and we are talking about chronic pain, and we are taking your questions, and we've got some great questions here. Um, one of the questions came in, should I look at massage or physical therapy to deal with my chronic pain?
1: Um, it, once again, it depends on the type of pain. A massage is really good for muscular, tendon, ligament, soft tissue pain, kind of daily aches and pains. Um, When it comes to physical therapy, that would be helpful for most type of pains because if you can strengthen your muscles, which is almost like going to give support to your joints um, and the rest of your body, it's always a good idea, but it depends on the type of pain. For typical daily aches and pains, yes, I think it can help, but it's good to be mindful that there are other types.
0: Sure. Well, one of the questions we got was, is it true that weather can affect my chronic pain?
1: Yes. Um, you know, the data, when you, when you research it, there's a back and forth, but clinically I have enough patients who come to me during the winter time and say that their arthritis in their knees and hips and shoulders Mm -hmm. is acting up because the weather changed.
0: Absolutely. I hate running in the winter because my knees hurt, but I'm fine in the summer. Exactly. And I'm not that old. I want to (laughs) be really clear guys. I'm not that old. (laughs) Well, what about herbal supplements one of the questions said are there herbal supplements that i can take as an alternative to narcotics
1: that is also fairly controversial for some um, i used to really uh, be a heavy proponent of glucosamine and chondroitin Oh, okay uh, i don't think it's necessarily going to cause you any harm but the the data to say that it's helpful isn't 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 there now when i talk to people who specialize in herbal supplementation they say hey the quality of of the product that is that is out there isn't the same quality that they can offer um, and i'm mindful of that but there is really good data to say that turmeric is a great anti-inflammatory prescribed oh yeah fairly. you mentioned that yeah, mm-hmm. and ginger root is a is a good one
0: when you say you prescribe turmeric, talk to me. Is that like I go get it at the store and I put it in my food? I take it? Is it pill form? Yeah,
1: so the easiest way is to get turmeric powder, you know, oh, okay. put it in your tea, um, you know, three times a day. But it's become so common, you can get it at most uh, vitamin shops mm-hmm. or even pharmacies have been ordering, been able to order it. Oh, nice. Yeah. So it's, it's becoming much more common to get these type of what used to be considered alternative medicines, which are now not alternative. They're mainstream. They're mainstream. Yeah. yeah.
0: Well, you mentioned earlier injection therapy. And one of the questions said, is cortisone shot good for chronic pain?
1: So it's not necessarily the cortisone shot, but it is the location. Okay. So if someone has sciatica and they have nerve pain going down from their back all the way down to their foot, a cortisone shot could be very helpful. It's called like an epidural injection. Um, the, one of the more common injections that we do and most interventional pain physicians do is considered to be a facet medial branch nerve block, which is specifically for, ner- for joint pain. Okay. And it's for people who have arthritis. And uh, you, can get, you can get a steroid injection or a numbing, but what, what has been around for decades, which, you know, the average patient still doesn't know about, it's not m- mainstream, is you can actually heat up and kind of stun specific nerves throughout the body so it stops working. And you can do that for the neck and low back and any type of nerve pain for, you know, inguinal hernia pain mm-hmm. after surgery or any type of knee pain after a knee replacement.
0: Interesting. Um, I'm going to throw this one at you because I, I, I know we didn't prepare you for it, but what about like red light therapy? I've heard a lot about red light therapy for pain. Is that something that you guys are working on or is that kind of like way out there right now?
1: It's it's becoming more and more popular. We don't currently have it. Got it. But I do think that it is potentially promising. Um, and a lot, of, a lot of therapies that individuals didn't consider to be mainstream in the past later on we find out why it works Mm -hmm. so you know i I, pain is very subjective and as long as it doesn't harm the patient
0: do you think some of it maybe this is a horrible question but some of it is also mental like if i feel like i feel better because i get red light therapy i should get red light therapy (laughs)
1: A part of it is um, the, the standard that we measure against is the effect on placebo, which is 30%. Sure. Oh, wow. Okay. So we want more than th- well above 30% of people to get relief. Got it. Um, and a lot of patients who do get relief from something like red light therapy or over time, they do it enough times and they say, Hey, you know what? I'm still in my overall general pain. Mm-hmm. So even though maybe there's a mental aspect over the course of months to years, the therapy in and of itself proves if it's efficacy or sure, not. Sure,
0: that makes sense. Well, what about new treatments? What's coming down the pike? Like, what are you most excited about?
1: So um, the newest treatment, which is not so new, but it's becoming more co- uh, common, is something called spinal cord stimulation, Okay. which is when you put kind of two spaghetti wires into the epidural space, okay. which is the space right outside the spinal cord, which uh, emits a certain type of frequency uh, towards the spinal cord that competes with the pain signal.
0: This sounds very technical. It's, okay. it,
1: it, it is, but it's, um, it's becoming very popular, and it, it is kind of also the, the marriage between the human and the robot. Oh, okay. And I, as we evolve in the, you know, the, the century of the mind, Our ability to understand how the mind works and uh, perceive the world around us, perceives pain, is only getting better and better. Mm -hmm. And so this technology basically sends a competing signal to the pain signal. And uh, uh, an analogy would be like a TENS unit. If you've ever seen a TENS unit, Mm -hmm. yeah. It's a, a little pad that you would put on your skin and then you have a knob that's connected to mm-hmm. the pad and you can increase and decrease yeah. kind of the frequency. Well, this is kind of a little more, more of an internal and a sophisticated version of it.
0: That's really cool because we did get a question about TENS units and whether a home over-the-counter TENS units are just as effective as what you get at the doctor's office.
1: They're similar. I, I think I don't want to say they're, they're the exact, but I think they're similar. Um, so much so that a lot of insurance companies now are approving it. And really? when I put the order in, okay. I, it gets sent to the home. They're fairly cheap. They're very good for muscular pain. Uh, there's unfortunately some patients who don't do well with surgery of the neck or back. Mm-hmm. And for those individuals, spinal cord stimulation is a very good option and is, you know, a kind of an area of treatment that that is really providing a lot of relief to these individuals who didn't have as many options in the past.
0: Yeah. I think it's important to talk about these things because there's a lot of celebrities who have been talking about their struggle with addiction to pain medication. I think we've seen Robert Downey Jr. and Matthew Perry and Eminem and MacLemore. A lot of it in the music industry, for sure. What what options do you say to somebody who maybe had been using opioids um, and now really wants to get off of them but still has the pain?
1: Okay. Um, I know, tough question, it's right? A, it's, it's a tough question, but it's, it's an important one because... There are a few misconceptions in our society which I think are preventing us from addressing these issues properly. And I think the biggest one is the stigma associated with, uh, with opiates mm-hmm. and medication abuse. And the most important thing, the most important fact point that I can stress upon anyone who's listening is the individual who becomes dependent or addicted with, onto opiates is not a bad person.
0: They didn't choose it.
1: They didn't choose it, um, and also, if you're a human being, you have the potential to become dependent and addicted. Absolutely. And and it could happen. I tell my patients tell me all the time, especially the 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 stronger, you know, the stronger, um, very uh, strong-willed individuals. They say, Hey, you know what? I'm not that type of person, doctor. You don't know me. I'll never get it. And I tell them, you don't think doctors get addicted? You don't think right. know, knowing knowing isn't doing? And, and you, we have a receptor in our body that interacts with the opiate. And w- once that happens, that potential is there.
0: It's almost like food, right? Like yeah. food gives us this joy sometimes. So does the medication, yeah. whether it's what its purpose was or not. Yeah. yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. And I I love chocolate, Mm -hmm. you know, so I'll eat it all day, and there there is a receptor in the body that binds to it, and thankfully that's a a healthier addiction. But that's not to say that I know it's not it's not good for me. Right, right. But I love it. It doesn't make you a bad person. Yeah, Mm -hmm. and so so, thankfully in society today we're becoming more conscientious and open about talking about what used to be taboo, Mm -hmm. and I just want to encourage individuals to be willing to communicate and not come off as judgmental and be willing to allow individuals the freedom to express their concerns. And there are options available to treat both dependency addiction and pain that wasn't as commonplace even five years ago.
0: So you could stay on on medications if you needed to and still manage the addiction? Is that what you're saying?
1: Well, there are medications that treat both pain and addiction. Okay. And there are opiates that work differently.
0: Okay. Interesting. So what you do is is a little bit unique, but if I were to schedule an appointment with someone like you, what would I expect from my appointment?
1: Um, I kind of talk about your pain, the quality, the duration, how it happened. Um, oh, that's very important, we, right? Mm-hmm. We do. Yeah, we, uh, we do a lot of driving. Um, we do a lot of sitting. Mm-hmm. So individuals get in car accidents, get rear-ended, whiplash injuries. Oftentimes, when the pain started, is one of the most cr- most important factors.
2: Sure.
1: Um, a lot of individu- uh, a lot of women who bear child, bear children, have a prolonged uh, mm-hmm. delivery mm-hmm. that can affect the nerves. Mm, so it all depends. Uh, we're gonna ask you probably a ton of questions, try to understand the the pain specifically, and then also just tailor treatment for that in, for that individual.
0: And how how long would I see you? How many appointments would I have with you? As I assume it varies by the patient, but it,
1: va- it varies by the patient. Um, most patients, we can get the if they're in severe pain, we can get them to at least functional okay. within three three months, three to six months. So our first goal is always to get the person to be functional to be able to go to family events to get them to be in a more social environment and that that's that for me is really important and for most pain doctors it's something that's talked about a lot in the conferences is functionality Mm -hmm. as opposed to trying to get the patient to zero out of ten pain it's try to get them to more better mental state so that they will feel more motivated to treat their pain it's a little bit quality of life right absolutely Absolutely.
0: And are, are physicians like you, are they part of our health plans typically?
1: Yeah. Um, uh, pain management as a field has been around for over three decades now. Um, epidurals, facet injections, spinal cord stimulators, interventions, um, nerve kind of stunning procedures are oftentimes covered by insurance companies uh epidurals and facets spinal cord them are all, all, all on insurance companies they're they're very commonplace so it's nothing like voodoo or anything like that which is not on there it's yeah,
0: yeah that's great yeah yeah well do you have any like real big success stories or somebody that I mean obviously don't go into detail right don't <laughs> tell me it's Bob but <laughs> any success stories of the work that you've been doing that's really been helpful to people
1: it's funny because it's always around the holiday time where people appreciate that they're out of pain oh sure so every November December it's when I get the chocolates oh. and <laughs> the, you know the, the gifts and the thank you letters that I realize how much good I've been doing but I, there's a ton of success stories um, a lot of individuals I think just want to live their life and go to work and be there for their family and when they're able to do that they always share their thank you um there's w- one lady who's just I I re- I know her because she's so thankful and so sweet and mm-hmm. she's always giving our clinic cookies and hugs um she had a, a a surgery a female surgery um lower in the abdomen and she's been having a nagging nerve pain oh. Yeah, and, and uh, she had gone to a few other physicians, but she had never gone to a pain management physician. And we were able to locate the pain and locate the area and locate the nerve. Wow. Kind of stun the nerve. And so far, she's been pain-free for about 10 months. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah, and she's just been so such a, like, just optimistic person, such a, like, ray of sunshine whenever she comes in that it's just heartwarming. And, you know, there are a lot of stories like that. And, you know,
0: you I need to know, has she brought cookies in today? Can I can get cookies? <laughs> <laughs> Cause you mentioned a chocolate edition. It is, it I definitely <laughs> have a sweets addiction.
1: So next time she brings them over, maybe I'll come back. Okay, please, Thank please you. let us know.
0: Of course. Well, one of the questions we got, and I think we touched a little bit on it, but was how can I make my family understand how much pain I'm in? They think it's all in my head.
1: Well, well, just because it's all in your head doesn't mean the pain doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. So that that's one, that's that that's one major point that i tell family members and bringing in a loved one or family member into the clinic visit is one of the best strategies that i have Mm -hmm. because we don't understand pain from the individual's perspective sure so understanding it from their perspective is very important um i think whenever that conversation happens where people don't understand my pain they feel like their pain is not valid Mm -hmm. and they feel judged And it goes back to the whole don't judge the individual. Um,
0: Well, then they probably also think, well, I shouldn't show my pain or I should try to to power through the pain. And that's probably detrimental as well.
1: Right. It, it, It is because if you kind of bury the pain and you don't acknowledge it, then you'll never overcome it. You have to first acknowledge it, diagnose it, understand it and then go from there. Um, There are individuals who, you know, a large part of chronic fatigue or fibromyalgia is the way the brain works and processes our our perception, whereas maybe normal stimulus like touch is now sending a pain signal.
0: Oh, interesting.
1: Right, so in, in certain situations, just because you know there wasn't a car accident or uh, MRI finding or X-ray finding that shows an injury, doesn't mean that there is pain. Pain is what the pa- the person perceives it to be. Mm-hmm. The w- most important question is: Assuming let's assume in this situation the individual is having a very heavy component of a, a mental aspect of pain. Well, you can't treat it with Tylenol ibuprofen. Right. There is cognitive behavioral therapy. There is biofeedback what's that so basically it's a way for an individual to monitor there's what the classic way is like you monitor someone's heart rate Mm -hmm. and you provide them a way to decrease to relax meditate decrease their heart rate and you give them real-time information live at that moment so that they know then and there if they're if their physiological function is kind of in a higher state of alert. Oh, interesting, okay. And you try to get them to retrain their body and mind to get out of a kind of panic anxiety type mode and to self-regulate down.
0: Oh, that's really good. And
1: it's, it, and it's very, very, very helpful for certain individuals um, Low impact exercise. Uh, there's aqua physical therapy. Swimming mm-hmm. is probably the, one of the most important. It's one of my favorite ways, especially yes. if my knees hurt, to actually yeah. do workout in the pool. Yeah, it's great for the joints. It's great for the heart. Uh, we came from the
0: water, mm-hmm. you know. I am a water baby. I do love it. (laughs) Uh, Well, Dr. Dardeshi, this has been great. Thank you for giving us your time today and for answering all of our questions and to everyone for listening and sending in your questions. You can follow FACI Doctors on Twitter at FACI Medical and on Facebook under FACI Medical Group. We look forward to future topics with more experts from FACI and Providence. Make sure to follow us on social media at PSJH on Twitter and Instagram and under Providence St. Joseph Health on Facebook. To learn more about our mission program and services, visit future.psjhealth.org. Thanks for listening.